pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for this time, place, and space of worship, and for the opportunity to receive the blessings that you have in store for us through your word and the sacrament of Holy Communion. And then to respond to those blessings with our prayers, our praises, and our offerings. May your Holy Spirit be with us as you draw us closer to you and closer to each other as a family of faith. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Weeping and mourning. Some of you out there in the Packer Nation felt that last night as the Packers fell in a very close game to the San Franciscan 49ers at Lambeau Field of all places in a snowstorm of all places. If there's any consolation for us as Packer fans, it's that we experienced for a moment last night what Lion fans have been experiencing for decades. <laughs> so at least there's that. In our Old Testament reading for this morning, we encounter Ezra and Nehemiah. And those names sound familiar to us. And for those of you in our midst here who are uh, in town for the basketball tournament at St. Lawrence, uh, we recall those books of the Bible from the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, and then Ezra and Nehemiah. And of course, we read from Nehemiah 8 this morning. Well, where do these guys come from? They come from a time and place where God's people are in captivity. And they're living in Babylon. You see, in 586 BC, Babylon comes in and defeats God's people, the Israelites. And they take them captive. They take them away from their homeland in Judea in and around Jerusalem there, and they take them actually into their own region and country to live and to work. And during this time, another superpower comes into play, one that actually defeats the Babylonians. And this is led by Cyrus too, Cyrus the Great of the Persian Empire. Cyrus comes in, takes over Babylon, and most of the ancient Near East in that area, in fact, Cyrus's kingdom would surpass the empire of the Romans, and that of Alexander the Great in expanse and in territory. And Cyrus, this king, fancies himself as kind of a savior of the captive people. He's going to be good and gracious with them to a degree, and he's going to allow them to have certain practices among the people, one of them being religious tolerance. So he's going to allow Ezra to go back to Jerusalem and start rebuilding the temple, the center of worship for God's people. And then he's going to allow Nehemiah to go back and rebuild the wall around Jerusalem to protect that which is most important to their people. And now he's going to give them permission to do this. He's going to give them provisions as well. God is directing this pagan king to give grace and guidance to Ezra and Nehemiah and allowing them to lead God's people back to Jerusalem to worship and to live, and to start all over again. That's the context of this particular passage from God's word for us this morning. And something happens after the temple's built, after the walls are constructed around the temple in the city, there is a great assembly, a great gathering of God's people. And they gather together. And as they prepare to worship the Lord, 
and to make sacrifices to him and to sing and dance and celebrate. Before that, Ezra, this priestly scribe, gets up before the people, stands up on a wooden platform among all the people gathered together and reads from the Torah of Moses. The Torah of Moses, that sounds familiar to us. The words Torah and Moses, right? And we remember from our own confirmation classes that Moses was the author of the first five books of the Old Testament, at least most of them. And we think, yeah, that's also called the Pentateuch, the Torah of Moses, the law of the Lord. All right, it's starting to come together for me. But in that moment, Ezra is up above the people on this wooden platform, has the people in the assembly stand, all of them, and they stand for the whole entire morning. Ezra starts reading in Genesis early in the morning, ends with Deuteronomy later that afternoon. Who's with me? Who wants to sign up for that? Are you with me? You're going to come to that event? Pastor Brad's just going to read the Old Testament to you, and you're going to stand. My goodness. Imagine the sore feet and aching backs. But what was worse than that? Sore feet and aching backs was the soreness of their hearts. Because as they heard the word of the Lord that Ezra was proclaiming to them, they were convicted to their core. You see, in the Old Testament, those first five books of the law, it includes a lot of heavy language. God's people fall into sin. God's people disappoint God time and time again. The earth is destroyed and started over again through Noah and the flood. And there's multiple examples of people being faithful to God and then falling away from God. People saying, yes, Lord, we're gonna believe, we're gonna follow your word, and then they fail. And time and time again, God saves a remnant and offers grace to his people and points them to that promise of a savior who would come. But as this word of the Lord is read among the people in the assembly, their hearts become heavy. They're overwhelmed and they become sad. They start to mourn, they start to weep, to cry out before the Lord. And Nehemiah and Ezra and the Levitical priests and leaders there, they see this and they sense this among the people and they say, wait a second. This is not supposed to be the disposition of God's people as they're gathered together for worship. This is not supposed to be the way God's people are supposed to feel on the day of the Lord. This is not the way we're supposed to be when we have this wonderful new temple and this newly constructed wall to fortify our people and to give them a place and space for worship. This is supposed to be a time of celebration. So they say to the people, those gathered in the assembly that day, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Please do not mourn or weep. And in fact, they go on further and they say, eat good food and drink good wine. And if someone doesn't have something to share like that, share, share some with them. Give some to them so they, they too can celebrate. This is a festival day to the Lord. And that's what they're going to do. But before that, they struggle. They struggle with this mourning. They struggle with weeping. They struggle with guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. Boy, we're great when it comes to guilt and shame, are we not? We're great at guilt. We're successful at shame. 
We like to play back in our hearts and minds the things that we've done that are wrong, that are displeasing to the Lord, that are hurt or harmed other people. Those times when we haven't been our best selves. And guilt and shame are the devil's playground. He likes to join you there, dragging you down, making you doubt, dragging you away, dragging you down into despair. The devil's play is always to heap on helping amounts of guilt and shame, burdening your conscience, demoralizing your soul so that he can have his way for you. And what is his way? To drag you down from God the Father, drag you away from God's people, and down into despair. It's always to divide and conquer. And as we allow Satan to have his way with us, and we go into this shame spiral and down further and further into the depths of guilt. Sometimes we start to doubt God's existence, his ability to help us in our time of need. Sometimes we wonder if we're even worthy to come into his presence, even worthy to come and receive his sacrament or to hear his word or be among the other believers. When I was living and working in Wisconsin, that's where I picked up the Packer thing, by the way, when I was living and working there as a pastor, uh, I remember a time with one of our members. He had a lot to share with me. He had a lot of that, heavy, that was heavy on his heart. He confessed to me a lot of the sins of the past. And as he was doing that, he said, I love my wife and my kids so desperately, so dearly, and they're so good to me. But I just don't feel worthy of them. And when I see these other people worshiping with us week in and week out, I don't feel worthy to be a part of, of this congregation, of this body of believers. There's no way that God could forgive me for what I've done. And at the risk of sounding cliche, I said to them, brother, I've got great news for you. And it is cliche, but it's the truth. And I shared with them the gospel of Jesus. I shared with them the words of Christ. I shared with them the promise of God through his son. And I basically said this, Jesus Christ came to be our sacrifice, to give his life for ours on the cross, to be that acceptable sacrifice that was pleasing to God and that would satisfy the demands of a holy and just God who demands perfection and righteousness, which none of us can do on our own. But not only that, Jesus is also our substitute. He takes our place, endures the penalty and punishment that we deserve because of our sins, because of our short-sightedness, because of our self-centered ways. And instead of that punishment, we get the blessings of Jesus Christ. We get faith, we get forgiveness, we get righteousness, we get the promise of eternal life. Just as that, that snow fell on the ground last night here in mid-Michigan and covered everything in a blanket of white, God's son poured out his blood upon us and covers us in a blanket of righteousness and redemption so that when God the Father looks down upon us, he doesn't see the things that we've done wrong. Instead, he sees all that his son did right. And because of that, we can have a continuing relationship of truth and trust with him all the way to eternal life. In short, without the snow reference, that's what I explained to this friend in Wisconsin. And as tears streamed down his face and as tears were welling up in my eyes, we confessed our sins together. 
I announced absolution upon him and we received the Lord's Supper together as brothers in Christ, forgiven and free at the foot of Jesus Christ. Friends, that's what we get to do again this morning. We've confessed our sins by each other's sides. We've confessed our sins before the Lord. We've received that proclamation of forgiveness when, when Pastor Fenske absolved you of your sins, trusting in the promises of God. And together, in just a few moments, we're gonna receive the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper, which is for us the true body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and the strengthening of our faith. It's not great food. It's a little unleavened wafer. It's not great wine. It's just a little individual chalice of sweet wine. But what it does in your life and mine is extraordinary. And it's worth celebrating because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And when does God rejoice? When people like you and people like me come clean before him. When people like you and people like me are open and honest before the Lord and with each other and say, yes, Lord, I understand your law. Yes, Lord, I hear your law and I can't live up fully to it and I'm sorry for my sins. But because of Jesus Christ, my savior, I'm not going to wallow in my guilt and shame. I'm not going to let guilt and shame overwhelm me. I'm not going to let the devil have his way for me because of Jesus Christ, my Savior. Nothing in my hand I bring simply to thy cross I cling. The joy of the Lord is our strength. God rejoices in you being here this morning. God rejoices when you confess your sins to him. God rejoices when you hear that word of forgiveness in your ear. God rejoices when you receive that gift of forgiveness in your mouth. And God rejoices when God's people rejoice and celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper together. Amen? Amen. 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 Sunday is the Lord's day. Why Sunday? Because Sunday is the day that Christ rose again. Sunday is the Lord's day. Why? Because that's when God does what he does best and he gives you his gospel gifts through Jesus to encourage you, to support you, and to help you see that no matter what happens to you in this life, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're, with, no matter what you're struggling with right now, that God will make a way forward. So we build our buildings, we gather together, we assemble, and we read the word of God until our feet are sore and our backs are hurting. And we celebrate the Lord's Supper together and we worship the Lord with joy in our hearts. Not because of how great we are or how great the food is, but because of how great he is. Friends, thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for participating in worship today. May God be with you. May God bless you. And may God... Rejoice in you, even those who are playing basketball this afternoon, because we have strength in the Lord. And all God's people said, amen.